All right, we're looking at Psalm 146. We're going to read the whole thing, verses 1 through 10. Let's give our attention to God's Word. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. The Bible says that all men are like grass and that all of mankind's glory is like the flower of the field. And that grass withers and flowers fade away, but God's word stands forever. Let me pray for us uh, before we talk about it more tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you as we come to the end of our semester of studying through your word and the Psalms. And we thank you for it. And we really do want to, with the psalmist, uh, praise you. And so now we also want to ask you one more time that you will be with us and that you will do what you've done in the past, which is take your word and apply it to our hearts. Father, that you would do what we can't do for ourselves. Uh, What I can't make your word do, uh, what none of us can. Father, would you be at work? And would you cause us to hear what you would have to tell us uh, and for us to, to be changed by it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, not sure if you're aware of it or not, but uh, tomorrow is a, in some ways a fairly big day in the sporting world. Anybody know what tomorrow, what happens tomorrow in the sporting world? Okay, very good. Uh, the uh, 2019 NFL, National Football League. Uh, the draft is tomorrow night, starts tomorrow night. And the draft is, for any sport really, it's, it's a pretty interesting phenomenon in, in some ways, if you think about it, um, and especially if you're into sports, because it's such a pivotal time in really any given uh, franchise, any team's uh, history, because there's so much potential, right? And that's something that on the one hand is really exciting, uh, and at the same time, on the other hand, it can be terrifying um, about what's going to happen, right? The big question is always who's going to go first? Is it going to be Kyler Murray? Who's he going to go to? Those sorts of things. But franchises are very often placing their, all their hopes and dreams on this one person, right? Especially if you're talking about an NFL and you're talking about the quarterback position, you've got to have what they call a franchise quarterback if you're going to 
It really, if you're going to do anything in the NFL. Um, and that was, uh, that's what happened in uh, 2007 when the Oakland Raiders had the first pick in the draft. And they took quarterback, anybody? Jamarcus Russell. Right, I saw some of you. Got it. Jamarcus Russell was from LSU. He uh, six foot six, two hundred and fifty pounds. He looks the part. Um, he can make every throw you can imagine. He had a great uh, college career. He had all the stats. He had all the talent in the world. And so the Raiders pinned all of their hopes on this guy. This is the guy that's going to make everything better. To the tune of $61 million. It's 2007. And let's just say he let them down. If you know anything about the story, he is at least arguably, and most everybody agrees, the biggest bust in NFL history. Um, He was a terrible professional. Just a terrible professional. He didn't want to work hard. He had all the talent in the world. He didn't want to work hard. He just cared about the money. He played a lot. I actually heard a story just this week. Somebody was telling on a podcast about how he walked into, I think it was his first NFL team meeting after he signed his contract and had a duffel bag full of $100 bills and just walked in. So these are coaches, players that have been in the league forever. He walks in and just starts dumping $100 bills around the room, like on the table and, you know, guys are wrestling for it and, Yeah. Anyway, biggest bust in NFL history. This team said, this is the guy that's going to make everything okay for us. He's the one. They're they're looking to him for their future, right? For their security. And And it failed. Now, you've probably never been in that exact situation unless you happen to be a Raider fan. Um, But I'm guessing that you've experienced something like that before. Uh, Experienced people failing you in some way. Um, People that you counted on. People that you looked for. um, People that you you had high expectations in regard to. Um, Or you've at least experienced the uncertainty of whether people will come through for you or not. Um, and this, right, this semester, you know, we've, as we've studied through the Psalms, every week we've said our theme is dealing with our feeling. And uh, we've said that the Psalms are just, you know, they're, they're songs, right? And just like any song, it deals with emotion. And they can help us understand our emotions. They can help us express what we feel. They can even help shape how we feel. And the Psalms do the same thing. Uh, in this psalm tonight, I think, I think it's really about feeling secure. Finding security. And the, the, the main idea is that if you, put, if you try to find your ultimate security in people, then you're going to be disappointed. But if your ultimate hope, or if your ultimate security is in God then you can actually find real security. So we're going to look at three things tonight from this psalm. First thing we're going to see is uh, we're going to look at the kind of people who let us down. Secondly, we're going to see the kind of God who lifts people up. And thirdly, 
we're going to see the kind of people that God won't let down. All right, so first, let's take a look at the kind of people who let us down. Uh, We see this in verses 3 and 4. The psalm starts out, right, verses 1 and 2, the psalm starts out with praising the Lord. He's very excited about something, right? And it sort of begs the question of why. What are we praising the Lord for? What's so great about God? And verse 3 and 4, verse 3 and 4 in a sense gives the backdrop, I guess you could say. And so it's in verses 3 and 4 that he's talking about uh, not putting your trust or or finding your security, as he says, in princes. Now, we don't know the historical context of this psalm. We don't know exactly what he's writing about. Could be talking about um, not placing your hope in the foreign leaders, like when Israel was in exile. Um, It could be talking about Israel's own leadership specifically. Uh, It's not completely clear. Um, And I think it's probably not clear so that we can apply it broadly. Because yes, it applies to, uh, in a sense, princes, right? Those that have lots of authority. But just by by reason, I think we can apply this just to mankind in general. And the main main point in this section, he's saying that if if you put your hope and your security in somebody, in a person, in people, then you're going to be let down. And in verse 4, he tells us the reason. So what does he say? Why? And he basically says, because people are finite. Look at verse 4. When, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Right? The psalmist is saying, look, people are, are limited. Uh, people don't last forever. Right? They They die. That people have limited resources to give. Um, other people can't make you ultimately okay because they're just not designed to be able to provide that for you. So notice, right, he's not even talking about man's sinful nature. I mean, that would certainly be reason enough. But he talks about man's limitation, just his, his finite nature. Right? It would be like if you asked me for a million dollars. If you asked me to give you a million dollars. We don't have to talk about just sort of my, right, my sinful tendency is going to want to be to keep it for myself. But even if I was the most giving person in the world, even if I loved you more than anything else, you can ask me for a million dollars all you want, and I can actually even want to give it to you. But that's not going to change anything because I ain't got a million dollars. I just can't provide that for you. You're asking for something that just, it just won't happen because I can't do it. And that's, that's what the psalmist is saying. That we tend to look for things in people that they just can't provide. What, what might that look like for us? Um, it might look like, sort of going with the prince's idea, it might look like thinking that Really pinning your security and your hopes for the future on uh, a political leader, a politician, maybe the president. Right? Like, if people in our country aren't suffering from this, then I don't know what, right? It seems to be right now either you think the current president is the answer 
Or it's all about the next presidential candidate. They're the ones that are going to make everything okay. But maybe on a more personal scale, right, it can be really tempting to put your security, to, to try to find your okayness in, in your girlfriend or your boyfriend. To really look to that person and try to squeeze out your, your significance from them. Or maybe just even your future boyfriend or girlfriend, right? Just the, the dream of having one. That if I could just get that, if I could just date that person, that would, that would satisfy me. Then I would be okay. Or maybe it's a, maybe it's a particular professor, If I can just get in with that professor, maybe as a mentor, then I'll I'll be set on this career path. Or if I can just get them to endorse me, maybe it's your parents. If there is no doubt that some of you are at college and, and doing what you're doing for the whole purpose of getting your parents' approval. And if I could just get my parents to say they're proud of me. Or if I can just keep them happy with me. Maybe it's that fraternity or sorority. Right? Any of those relationships or those people, it's, that's what will make me happy if you don't have it. Or if, if, if you already have it, right? Trying to sort of milk it for everything that it's worth. Right? If you can just get their approval, if, you can just, if they think you're funny enough or cool enough or smart enough or pretty enough or whatever. And this, right, this psalm is telling us that's just never going to work. Because they can't do that for us. And if we expect that from people, we're going to be nothing but disappointed. We can say it like this. Other people just can't bear the weight of our identity. And chances are... The, the dysfunction in our relationships, and, and for you, probably maybe especially your dating relationships, it's probably because of that. Because what we tend to do is go and try to get things from people that they just can't give us, our ultimate security. And this psalm actually wants us to begin to see that and recognize that so that we can find true security, which leads us to our next, our next point. Second, secondly, the second thing we need to see uh, in this psalm, I want you to see uh, the kind of God who lifts people up. Look at verses 5, 6, and 7. The psalmist basically moves on from there, and he basically says, hey, look, you can't find you know, uh, security in people, but I've got great news for you. I want you to look at God. Right? Like, here's what people are like. People are finite. People are just not going to do it for you because they come up short. But check this out. Look at, what, look at who God is. You can find true security and true help in God because he is very different. Uh, look at what it says. Uh, verse 6, God is the one who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them. It's the Bible's way of saying everything. Right? God is Where man is finite, God is infinite. He's almighty. He made everything. 
Everything you've ever seen or known, thought about, he did it all. He can do anything he wants to do. Verse 6, it says, God keeps faith forever. Mankind is, right, people are limited. And he says, but look at God. God, God's faithfulness, God makes promises to his people. I will be your God and you'll be my people. Basically, I'm going to stick with you. And he keeps faith forever. People will give out on you. God's faith goes on forever. He never goes away. Verse 7, God executes justice for the oppressed. Right? Mankind's limited. God is infinite. He's the one that is going to right every wrong. Uh, Again in verse 7, God gives food to the hungry. Right? People can only provide so much. You get the picture here of God... God is the one that gives you everything that you need to be sustained. He's the one that can do it. It's so tempting to look at people, whoever it might be, and want them to to make us okay. Um, Because because that's so tangible. I mean, at least in some sense tangible. It's more tangible. You can feel it. You, You know that little taste of of security or that little little taste of like okayness when when that person says i love you or uh, when they laugh at your jokes or when they say that they're proud of you or, or whatever right you know that little taste of that and you know like that makes me feel good that makes me secure and look now hear me right let's lest we be confused. Those are good things. Those are very good things. For people to tell you they love you, proud of you, right? Those are good things. But we tend to take those good things and say like, All right, I, know, I know what that feels like, so that's it. I'm going to take that thing and that's my ultimate thing. I just need more of that. Exactly. And it's like, like the psalmist is answering the question like, all right, I know what that feels like. Can, can God give me security like that thing? And it's like the psalmist is saying, just, just look how secure. Just come take a look and let me show you. Uh, it made me think of um, uh, this house called the Sand Palace. Uh, you might have seen this. You remember uh, Hurricane Michael that hit, what, this past fall? Isn't that right? Uh, right, hit Panama City Beach area. Um, Mexico Beach was the like uh, where it like hit the hardest, right? And uh, so I don't know if you saw this, but there was one house right on the beach that survived. It's fascinating. Look it up. Not not now. Look it up later. Uh, it's called the Sand Palace. The pictures are amazing because everything else is just flat. It's just debris. And then there's this house. And there are a couple other things that are kind of standing. But this house looks like it's almost untouched. And that's because, by and large, it, it was. Um, it was built by two guys, um, LeBron Lackey and Russell King. They wanted to build a house that would survive the biggest of hurricanes. And uh, they wanted a house that would be completely secure. And like I said, you can see the pictures, right, that... Everything's gone. 
But this house is sitting there, standing there, undamaged. And so when they were having it built, right, it's like you can imagine them talking to the builder and saying, is, is this thing going to be secure? And so I read about it. And so these are facts from the house. You can picture the builder saying, all right, yeah, yeah, come, come check this out. I want you to come see the house. This is what we're doing. This is true. Right? The walls are rebar reinforced concrete. Um, it is built on 40 foot concrete pilings that are driven way down into the ground. And so that it sits up so that the biggest of tidal surges will never touch it. It has steel cables that go from the girders that sit on those concrete pilings that basically go up through or around the walls, up to the roof, and then down the backside. So basically, even though it's concrete, rebar reinforced concrete, they basically tied the house together in steel cables. The roof can withstand 250 mile an hour winds. So it's like you can imagine taking the tour. Like, is this thing safe? Is this going to provide what we want? And I'm saying, like, do, do you see this? All right, is, is that good enough? For, what do you think? Right, of course it's safe. And I think that's just a little taste of what the psalmist is doing. He's saying, come look. Just look at this, at the security that God provides. He's infinite, eternal, unchangeable. He goes on forever. He's faithful without limit. So look, what does that mean? It means when you think, can, can God really help me in this situation though? Can I really trust him? It, can he do anything about this? Can he help me so that I don't have to be terrified? And the psalmist, right, this psalm says, oh Yes. Is God really big enough to handle all of my, my fears or my depression or my anxiety or my addiction? Can, is he safe enough for that? And the psalmist is saying, oh yeah, just look. Uh, can God really forgive that sin Again, And the psalmist says, oh yeah. He keeps faithfulness forever. He can actually provide the security that we're looking for. So now we need to, I just want to look at our last thought here, the last section of the psalm. So thirdly, we need to take a look at the kind of people that God won't let down. This is from the last part of 7 through verse 9. All right, so who is it that God provides security for? Right? Uh, who is it that can have that kind of wonderful security, right? That ultimate okayness. All right, well, look at what the psalm says. Look at the people that God helps. And we're, we're kind of even dipping back into that previous section. Who is it? All right, well, it says that God helps the oppressed, the hungry, the prisoner. The blind, those that are bowed down, 
the righteous. And now let's, let me say a little bit about that. Who are the righteous? It's important to know. That doesn't mean people that never mess up. People that always do right and never do wrong. No. Uh, it means those that are inside the covenant. Right? Those that, um, those that trust God. Um, who else? Uh, the sojourner, right? The, the people that are displaced. He helps the widow, the orphan. Do you notice a theme to all of those people? Right? God is a help to the weak, to the, to the powerless, to the outsider, to the have-nots. Uh, in other words, God is a help to the people that need it. That's who he helps. People that need help. To people that know they can't provide their own okayness, their own security. Uh, even, even to people maybe that, that realize that they do try to find their own security in other people and maybe even in themselves, and it's killing them. Right? Maybe like us as we read this. And look, that's great news. Because it means that if you're looking for security, if you want to be okay, that's, that's all anybody on the planet wants. You boil it all down, we all just want to be okay. And not like the commercial, like, okay is, you know, just okay is not okay. Not, not like that. Right? We want to, we, we want to be, be right. We want things to be good. To be secure. And this is telling you, if you want that, all you need is to need it. And ask God for it. You don't have to do anything to get it. There's nothing you can do to earn it, right? Um, It's not for the special people. It's not for people that have finally gotten their act together. For the people that finally figured it out. Or the ones that show that they really are spiritual enough. It's for people at rock bottom. I was talking to a friend of mine recently who was basically saying how they didn't like how exclusive Christianity is. Um, the whole Jesus system uh, was just, uh, they didn't like the exclusivity of it. Um, that, that basically it's just the Christians, right, that are saved. And as we talked about it, I, I try to get them to think about this, right? Every religion, every system is exclusive in some form or fashion. Right? Every system or religion says that some people are in and some people are out based on something. But in the Bible system, right, yes, it is, it, it's the Christians, right, that are, that are saved, that find true security. Um, that's true. But look who that's for. It's for anybody. It's not for the, the it's not for the, the religious Right, the moral, the ones that, that do more good than wrong. Sure, in one sense it's exclusive. Yes, it is just through Jesus. But who's that for? Anybody that wants it. And that's great news if you need it. And for those people, he provides ultimate security. All right, so let, let me end with this thought, or these couple thoughts. Um, what exactly is that security, and, and how can you know that God's going to be faithful to provide it? 
Um, and, the, and the answer is the same one we give every week. Um, and the answer is basically uh, that there, there's actually another son of man, right? You see that in the, in the early in the psalm there, right? You can't put your trust in the son of man in whom there is no salvation. The good news is that there's actually a son of man in whom there is salvation, right? That was Jesus's favorite way of talking about himself, right? The son of man. And there's this great passage in Luke 4. You look in Luke 4, and uh, it's when Jesus is right at the beginning of his ministry. He goes back to his hometown. He's in Nazareth, and he goes to synagogue. Uh, so he's, you know, in a sense, he's basically at church, his home church, so to speak. And he takes, part of a, part of the, uh, takes one of the scrolls, right, part of the Old Testament, from Isaiah, and he reads from Isaiah 61. And I want you to hear, I'm going to read it to you. Listen to the overlap from Psalm 146, from our psalm. So Jesus stands up and he reads this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Luke says that, Jesus sits down and he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So do do you catch that? Uh, Jesus basically says all that good stuff that God said he was going to do for people. I've come to make good on that and I'm I'm fulfilling that. That was all about me and I'm here to do it. Right, the point, do you see the point? That God loves people you so much that he came himself in the person and work of Jesus and and he became the ultimate outcast he became the ultimate broken person on the cross so that you so that he can bring us in so that he can give us real security So can you really trust them? Can you really trust this God? Well, can you really trust someone that would rather die than live without you? Of course. And that's the security, right? The love of God that's for you. That's where you find your security, right? You can begin to not, to be quite, to be not quite so desperate to get that security from other people, to get their approval, because you know you have the approval of Jesus, of, of the God of the universe. And you can know that His love and His favor is not going anywhere, ever, because it's for you. And like we just said, it. It's for you if you want it. It's for messed up people, for broken people, sinners. I mean, with this quick story. I heard a story about a pastor years ago. wish I knew the details. But a story about a, a true story. pastor that was, uh, they were taking communion in their church. And uh, they passed the elements right down the rows. And as he was watching, looking out at his congregation, he saw this one woman, uh, the older woman in his congregation that he knew really well and he knew her to be a believer and um, a very tender hearted believer 
And he said, you know, he noticed her and she's just crying, just weeping. And as the plate, as the bread came to her, she took the plate and just passed it on to the next person. Didn't take the bread, right, the body of Christ, and just sat there crying. And the pastor, knowing this, this woman, knew that she... Basically, this woman is feeling her sin. She's feeling so guilty over her sin that she just can't bring herself to, to take communion. And so he got up and he went and he got the plate. And he took it from whomever had it and he brought it back to her and he said, No. It's for you, it's for sinners. It's for you. It's for people that are broken. And she took and she ate. Right? It's for you and me. And that's the good news. The security that Jesus provides is love. It's it's for you if you need it. And I hope you take it. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much that you are who you are, that you are big enough, that you are able to provide the security that we desperately want and that you not only can provide it, but you do. And you provide it freely at great cost to you, but free to us. Father, would we grab hold of it? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.